Hello, you wonderful people. If you haven't already, make sure you sign up to our Patreon account. The link will be in the description of this podcast, but you can also go to patreon.com forward slash Pod. For as little as four euros a month, you can help us out and become part of our little community. You'll get early access to all of the pods and you'll also get a monthly newsletter from myself and Jim. So basically two monthly newsletters where we'll talk about stuff that's going on in our own personal lives and what we've been thinking about slash inspired about. We also are asking you guys to get involved with the podcast so you can send in questions for our upcoming guests or you can suggest to us people or topics you would like us to interview and explore further. Um, We love you. We hope that you love us and hopefully just by giving us as little as four euros a month, that's basically, it's not even a pint in London that you can help us become an even better podcast. Thank you all. Allora, bentornati amici. This week, our second Italian guest is Valentina Auliso. And our recent conversation with Valentina is not the easiest to concisely describe. Perhaps the best way to indirectly start with this description will be to mention, as many of you are familiar, the fact that Seb and myself see and experience the world quite differently. This can be difficult for both of us, for sure, but I also think it helps us generate an intriguing conversation for a wider group of people. Seb is often skeptical of people who work in the worlds of things that can't be measured, whereas I am closer to a default, could be kind of position because of the experiences I've had that can't be bluntly expressed or measured. And here we enter, here we have Valentina entering, a woman who is incredibly passionate about the world of energetic healing. She combines her experience with yoga and Qigong, which is a Korean system using breathing, movement and meditation to aid mind, body and spirit. For those who question the sincerity of those working with an emphasis on the soul, this conversation is a pretty unique opportunity to hear dialogue between two people who see the world differently in a respectful and fruitful manner. To me, Valentina's life is a testament to the strength of the heart and the soul in a world which can feel like an endless onslaught on everything and everyone we hold dear. A quote from WB Yeats comes to mind, which is, the world is full of magic things, patiently waiting for our senses to grow sharper. Emerging from early family trauma, Valentina left home to study and to travel and like many of us, had a deep desire to change the world. Somewhere along the way, she began deepening her own relationship with herself and laying down the foundations for her own healing. There's a lot in here, and I'm sure you'll take something from this chat. I think you'll all take something from this chat. Valentina holds private classes online to help people with a variety of challenges they may be experiencing. And if you are attracted to Valentina's perspective and approach and how she speaks, Please contact her using the link left below. Thanks to Valentina and thanks to li- thanks to you guys for listening. Grazie. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Earthly Delights podcast. Today, our guest is Valentina Auliza, and um, we're going to have a very covering several topics. 
But first and foremost, Valentina, what's the crack? How are you keeping? Hi, Jim. So thank you. Really good, actually. Um, just been away for the weekend, so I feel like really refreshed and energized. Can't complain. A big difference from uh, the heavy kind of air pollution of Rome. Yes, exactly. I've been in the countryside and just like refreshing my lungs and spending a lot of time in the woods and just breathing and walking and eating great food. <laughs> Beautiful. I know, I know Seb has differing opinions about the countryside. Yeah, I mean, I was saying that I, I living in being born and bred in the countryside um, means that I have no appetite to uh, go. I feel like I've done my time sufficient 18 years. <laughs> so when I leave the when I leave the city, I don't really feel the relaxation. I just kind of feel the um, I get I get reminded why I left in the first place. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> but Seb, is this countryside generally or just your countryside? Like where you're from? Um, I mean, listen, like I, I like a nice walk, but I I'm not one of those who could be like, oh yeah, I just want to be surrounded by like rolling fields for a, for a week, uh, like me a day or two, and that's my uh, that's my quota done for for at least a couple of months, if not more. Yeah. Sounds different good. Strokes, different folks. Exactly. Yeah, I was about like to move out, to move there. Like, okay, I'm moving here. So I'm, I'm about to take decisions in my life. And I was like, no, but anyway, I won't move there. But it was like, oh my God, I could live here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to see anybody. <laughs> yes, yes. The grass exactly. is always greener. Literally exactly. sometimes in the, in the countryside. <laughs> Literally, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Valentina, also, just a quick thing. Actually, one of my one of the things that I noticed when I lived in Italy was that generally the grass isn't as good as in Ireland and the UK. <laughs> the Do you know, I was yeah, I was actually thinking about that when Seb just said the grass is always greener. Like, mm, yes, but it's not like <laughs> yeah, it's not like Irish or English grass. That is no, really it isn't. Fresh in Italy, grass. in Italy, I feel like it comes out already made into hay, <laughs> just like completely like completely misses out step of being grass and yeah. it's just like ready-made hay from the get-go yeah, yeah it's not like comfortable to sit or lie on no, no it's hard it? stuff I, I agree whereas yeah in, in the uk it's like hey there's a field let's lay down here yeah. and yeah, 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 yeah. when it's not raining though yeah rain. the few Those times days when it's not raining. <laughs> yeah. the few times yeah i mean in brighton i was lucky it's not too bad I guess in Ireland it's raining a bit more. Yeah, uh, like I know in the west coast of Ireland, it rains something like two hundred and sixty days of the year or something like that. Jesus, something like that. Don't don't quote me, but I think it. I think that's. So we we count our blessings. It's not that bad. <laughs> um, Valentina, before yeah, before we go digging. Can you get, can you tell us a bit about yourself and like where you're from? You know what was it grown what was growing up like for you? What did you have interests in? And and what were like the first steps of the road in which you are now on? Yeah, sure. Um, it's a big question. <laughs> I'll start with little steps, and then you can ask me more, of course. Perfect. Um, yes. Yeah, so um, I'm half Italian and half Polish. Uh, my mom is. Polish and um, I was born in Rome and I yeah I had a really interesting and, and um, 
a nice childhood in Rome actually at that time. Um, I used to love it and because also during the summertime I used to spend it like in Poland or in the little village of my uh, biological father in the south of Italy. So it was literally like having a lot of contrasts and um, mm. plenty of experiences. So yeah, I remember traveling at that time you had to like take the bus to Poland. So like 28 hours traveling or the train, the night train, 24. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> There was no flights. Well, there were, but you know, like it was the we, there was no like Wizzair or Ryanair at that time. It's just like uh, Alitalia, which was like super expensive, and we're like, you know, not like a wealthy family, so we had to do what we could. So my mom used to like literally ship me and my sister, and I'm not joking. She would put her in the bus, tell the bus driver where we need to get off, and that's it. My grandmother was there waiting for us. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like when you like was there a big difference in the culture between Italian culture and Polish culture yeah gosh so much um, it's a yeah. really interesting question um, please stop me because I could get down that road easily but no. I remember thinking as, as, a, as a little girl I remember thinking and observing a lot because you know it was like the 90s so right after the um, you know, the Berlin Wall and then like Poland was like literally still like rebuilding itself. And it was a completely different situation. Um, it was, it was very different where the, there were this like so-called black market where you'd like, you would buy like a lot of stuff that usually you were not allowed to. And um, people would like still be very, you know, skeptical, scared and talk about the war a lot. I mean, my grandfather was telling me about the bombs like every day and um it was like being told a story you know um for real um very interesting and then coming back to rome and a completely different setting you know this uh, this, this this country this nation and then europe and i remember when actually europe entered and um, came into poland you know like the decision of like are we going to take euros or not and literally everything changing literally from post-Soviet to European, it was so interesting. What, what what would your grandparents say about that transition? Were, were they happy to be part of the European Union, or? Yeah, I mean, my grandfather hated the Russians. <laughs> um, <laughs> he would uh, he would literally say that. I'm only quoting him, and. Um, yeah, they were super happy because for them it was like the alternative, you know, like for them growing up, you know, into this like really conservative, super restrictive regime. And then suddenly being given the opportunity of you know, like this uh, wealth and this, this, this streets, roads being built, trains, money, um, food, first and foremost, food actually. It was like a big thing for them. They, could, they didn't see like the political aspect. For them it was like, we are being given an opportunity here and we like this. So hmm, it's very practical. Uh, Vandina, in your, in your experience, I feel more akin to one culture than another. Like in my experience, being half English and half Italian, even though I was brought up in, in England, um, I always felt like the Italian culture was more, I felt more closely bonded to that culture, even though I'd only go there in the summers, kind of similar to what you would do in Poland, for example. Um, did you ever feel, do you feel like now or back then that you were more Italian or more Polish or was it equal for you? Yeah, it's a 
complex question for me. I never really felt Italian or Polish, and um, and and exactly actually that's a, that's a good question to connect because I travel so much because of that as well, trying to really um, find my roots and, um, and 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 I love being in different countries. So no, I never really felt like really Italian, but also because you know my mother would never cook the traditional Italian food, so we, I didn't have the traditional Italian setting of like you know, Sunday family, uh, lunch and that kind of stuff. It was very rare, very rare that I would have those things. Um, I was, I think it was like in phases, you know, and also I couldn't really feel Polish that much because at that time there was so much racism against Polish people. So I was bullied a lot in school. Um, it, it was against Romanians and Polish. And that was like trendy. <laughs> Let's choose who to bully. And um, so I couldn't really be free. I mean, right now I'm super proud, to, you know, to have a Polish heritage in my blood. Like, wow, that's it's huge. It's great. But at that time, I tell you, it wasn't easy. <laughs> I didn't say this easily that I was half Polish. Yeah, I can understand. Hmm. I can definitely understand. And what, is that what led you to eventually move? Because you moved to Brighton, didn't you? Or was it Bristol? You said right. Brighton, I did, I did, yes. Um, well, first of all, I moved to Bologna, but that was like still Italy to study at university because mm -hmm. um, practical reasons again. Uh, it was yeah, it was just easier to study, and I and I was the typical teenager that would shout and scream from the top of my lungs to my to her mother. Uh, when I will be eighteen, I will leave this house. I will go, and <laughs> I kept my promise. <laughs> So I did, and um, what did you study? I studied political science, international relations. Which, you know, even though right now I do something that sounds completely different, I would choose exactly the same. I really loved what I studied. It was great to just know, you know, the dynamics behind the how certain countries work and sociology, you know, psychology and law it was super interesting. And Bologna is such an amazing amazing city to be yeah, for students yeah. super you know intercultural so and then i lived in portugal as i did my erasmus program which is a program that european uh, citizens um, are granted for if they want to they can study in a different country uh, the same subjects so i did i i went to portugal and i spent 10 months there moved to portugal again <laughs> amazing incredible experience and just learned so much and um and i didn't want to study in english i wanted to to be with portuguese so that led me to really really explore the portuguese cultures a lot um and then for work i moved to france for a while uh that's where i was like really into my political career and i wanted to work for the council of europe so i did uh, and then I wanted to work for a European institution, and I did, and and I got tired <laughs> after a few months only. So uh, and talk me through this, Valentina. I, I I did a master's in uh, public policy and human development, mm. and uh, I also like started to work in that kind of area, and then kind of got pushed back. Um, but talk to me through as in, you work for the Council of Europe, you still had this to to stay in this field to really go deeper into 
the intricacies of the political system and European integration, this kind of area? Or were, were, did the seeds start to grow about, hmm, maybe I need to do something different? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I remember in Bologna, I had a, an amazing friend and we used to argue and fight a lot because he used to tell me like, look, this system doesn't work. This system is crap. They want you to believe that the system is great, but it's crap. And I would be like, no, you don't understand. Typical, you know, again, teenager, you don't understand. You know, the European Union is great. You can do a lot of stuff. I'd be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I still remember his voice right now because I'm like, yeah, he was right. <laughs> he was so right. <laughs> I mean, you can do, you know, there are opportunities for sure, but you can do so much more by having an awareness outside of the system and just creating your own reality and an alternative. But that takes time. So. And just to expand a little more on, on him being right, like you, you started to feel somewhat constricted by the options that you had as like for a career or can you expand on that a little bit? Yes. I mean, yeah. if I think back right now, I'm like, Wow, I've been, I was given like so little choices. You know, when you're, when you're young, like you've been asked, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And you've got only a couple of options. That's it. <laughs> There's, and, and in the real world, there is like so much more. So, so yeah, I was, um, I knew in my heart that, you know, I could fit. It was a gut feeling of like, hmm, this feels like I have to follow a specific path, you know, why do I have to go this way specifically? Why do I have to go that way? But because I'm like super curious, then that's why I was like really into it. And um, I genuinely, you know, I'm very naive sometimes. I genuinely believe when, when you know, someone tells me about, oh, this system provides you this and provides you that, I believed it, you know, like... Um, and I and I enjoyed the experiences, but yeah, you start to grow a little seed in you, and then you realize that there's so much more. I don't know if this resonates with you. I remember being in my masters and coming towards the end of my masters and speaking to some some of my good friends who I'm still friends with to this day, and they would often say, "You know what? I always wanted to study anthropology." Or I really wanted to study history, but my mom or my dad, they're into economics. And it wouldn't have really been a good career move or it wouldn't really have been a good move uh, in terms of like respect. And then it kind of it facilitated this point where I could go, you know, to be honest, I think I picked my master's because I'm interested in public policy. But I'm also... Um, trying to do, you know, good, good, trying to pick the right answer, if that makes sense, right? You know, yeah. very few people go, oh, that's a, a risky move, or that's a, you know, what were you thinking there, James? People who generally go, oh, that sounds great, you know, the affirmation, well done, you picked the right box here. And, um, and I think that we're talking about the, the idea that we have options, but if we're being brutal, yeah. Maybe we actually don't have that. No, precisely. Um, I mean, the you know, the I've been brought up in a very you know dysfunctional family and um, situations. But the good thing about that was that 
I was never pushed to take certain, you know, certain routes because nobody asked me. So, <laughs> so I could like make up my mind and like say to my mom, okay, this is what I'm going to study. Okay, that's it, you know. Um, but I know, yeah, my some of my friends went to especially economics because, you know, it's the right thing to do and because you get jobs and everything. And yeah, so that, that can happen. Tina, can I... What you said that you, you grew up in a dysfunctional family, can I ask what that means for you in your experience? Um, just to give um, some listeners context about what you've previously just said now and, and what you're obviously about to say when we talk about what it is that you do currently. Yeah, surely. Um, so when I say dysfunctional family, I mean a family where the traditional roles are not there and the traditional like foundations are are there, but in a messed up way, <laughs> by using very simple words. So supposedly, like, as a child, you should be, you know, a daughter or a son, and you should have, like, a mother or a father, whoever they might be, but just, like, taking that role of being mother or father, and that's how you should grow, should, or, you know, that's how, ideally, you, you, you grow up. And, and then you have support around you, right? So a, a little support, at least. Well, um... That wasn't the case because both of my parents were like, first of all, like super young when they got me, they were 20 years old and they were still figuring out, you know, their own, their own things and, and themselves. So they, they did what they could, <laughs> of course, but, um, they couldn't provide, you know, that, that, that traditional support and foundation. I had to find it by myself. I had to go on my, you know, I had to go my, my way and find it. And, um, I think only only now I'm I'm making peace with all the puzzles and feeling like right okay I've got my foundations now. Would it be correct to say Valentina that you don't think you had um, a kind of healthy attachment that you need growing up, and then that healthy attachment that you have growing up then allows you to form healthy uh, relationships, either like romantic or just friendships. Do you mean like when someone doesn't have a healthy relationships in the family, then that's what yeah, happens? They don't, they don't have the, the blueprint or the example for what is like healthy boundaries. Like uh, I can rely on someone for these things. I can trust them. I can feel safe in these things. And then oh, gosh, yeah. with their friends or with their girlfriends, they're always like just moving a little back, back. Because they're they're not sure, you know, or they're they're just full frontal. Because again, they're not really sure about boundaries. Yeah, I would be the second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like yes, you know. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, you know, we can we can say that I guess. Like there are some things who are, you know, in the bigger picture, you know, when we talk about spirituality, yes, there is a bigger picture. Yes, there is, you know, a great scheme and everything is here to serve. But there are on the human aspect situations that aren't fair. That's it. That's simply it. And uh, and what, for example, in my situation, I've been through, wasn't wasn't fair. And um, and as a consequence of that, I spent so much time just <laughs> unraveling that patterns and, you know, trying to find in my partners what I didn't have from my father. And then only realizing that I wasn't finding in my partners what I didn't have from my father. It was, it was from my mother. So I was 
trying to find my partners what I couldn't understand about my partner. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God. <laughs> it was so messed up. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> that happens, yes. Uh, but there are ways out of it. <laughs> okay, well, you'll, you'll have to tell us about these ways. Um, maybe in a little bit, right? The first thing that I wanted to say was, I guess one asset, one one um, aim from the podcast is for to to talk about issues that are somewhat certain people um, as kind of... Um, esoteric or kind of not practical and we want to bring them into practical that's one thing that we want to do today um, and I think that we're already doing a good job and um, the second thing I wanted to kind of comment on was how I liked you talked about how you thanked and because as a result of maybe them being somewhat dysfunctional you have uh, grown certain characteristics or you have like you had you have grown in such a way that you couldn't have grown without that even even though it's described as a dysfunction wasn't an ideal relationship i remember i, I forget who i was i think it, i forget who i heard talking about this but they they kind of expressed the fact that if you are frustrated by a relationship or particularly like a childhood relationship you have all the all the reason to express that. Say, I was frustrated that you weren't there for me in that situation, or I never really felt that you supported me. But if you can do that, you also need to realize that things that were quite beneficial in your personal growth as a result of this, even though it might be very hard to admit, you know, because it's so hard to come across a scenario where everything everything about a relationship and as a result of a relationship was all like it didn't make you stronger like it didn't make you more resilient like it didn't make you look at the world differently and i think if we could reach that point i don't know i guess you could ask i could ask you how did you reach that point because i'm sure there was a lot of anger initially right <laughs> yes you could tell <laughs> anger is the right word um Yes, before that, I just wanted to add, you know, you just said it beautifully and um, and it just made me remember something. Um, I think the problem personally about, you know, being stuck, you know, in traumas and situation is is the attachment to uh, to those situations. I mean, and then, you know, and, and, and the pre pretending, yeah, to... To speak highly about those situations and to, to, to speak nicely about pain. You know, pain hurts. There's nothing nice about pain. It hurts. And, um, and it's about, I think it's when we really recognize the emotions and the experiences and then we do not attach. I mean, I do not attach to the fact that I had domestic violence. Um, and I had experienced that. Of course, I can only say that now because, you know, I started initiating a process. So. But I'm not attached to that because I see now the amazing things that I've got out from it. I feel so strong, first of all. I really do. And I can, you know, I can just say that. And I feel that if I tap into my power and 
I can truly, you know, just really be myself. And I feel so free. There's this sense of freedom, you know, that, I, that I've got. But, you know, it, it's not immediate. Yeah, it's not immediate. You know, the, the, the situation then with my mother is taking a little bit more time um, of her being an alcoholic and um, having depression. Uh, because it's like, okay, I've just come out of a traumatic situation. I've just, you know, like processed and like understood. And now I've got this as well. Come on, you know. <laughs> One is enough. Two, it's, it's quite a lot. But then it's like, okay, you know, what is this for? You know, what is this for? And, and what do I do? What I, what I want to do with that? So, yeah, that was the first point. And then just to answer your question, you know, in, in truth, I don't know, I've always felt in, inside of me that that sense of freedom, exactly, that sense of like integrity, it was always there. And um, no matter the pain and the, and the situations, like, I don't I just don't like to give up you know it's just like not something that I feel comfortable actually yeah I don't I don't feel comfortable in giving up and maybe sometimes I do things with too much you know anger passion of like oh, I want really fix this I want to really solve this but at least it was a force you know it was like a, a um, yeah a fuel to shift certain situations that otherwise wouldn't have been shifted. Valentina, can I ask if you were ever worried those type of situations? Uh, sorry, while the dog tries to make an appearance on the podcast. Um, if you, if if those situations that you went to, you know, specifically the domestic abuse, if you thought that that might break you. Um, because, you know, only recently it's come out um, actually in the news that, well, potentially, allegedly, um, a footballer has domestically abused um, his girlfriend. And a lot of the stuff that you see on Twitter is, you know, oh, basically trying to protect the footballer. And it feels like, especially with domestic abuse, a lot of the times, or sexual abuse towards women, um, society has this kind of weird inclination to almost demonize the victim and try to protect or put context in that would somehow explain these horrible actions that the that the man has taken out on the woman and i i always wonder how how a woman number one has the strength to to come out with these things and to say look i'm i am actually a victim of domestic abuse and maybe look for legal you know look to the police to help them or even just just to get out of the situation, they might not want you know to go through it all again and and have lawyers ask them and go to, through the courts, but just to actually just put up the hand and say, "Listen, guys, I need help. I need to get out of this relationship." That alone is, I think, is really. I've always wondered how someone has the strength to do that. But then number two, to then live with it because you know and come out with it because a lot of people, for whatever reason, like I said, they do try to demonize and they think, "Oh, well, she deserved it, or she would have done something that made." her abuser feel like do you know what I mean they try to find some weird explanation to obviously there isn't one but did you ever worry that those um stigmas and those reactions from public or from family members or friends might actually be the breaking of you rather than uh, the making of you to to use a famous um little quote yeah it's a really interesting point and question and yes i i, I... <laughs> Of course, there were certain moments in which I really thought, like, this is it. 
this is it. I've got no way out and, and this is it. I've got no chance, no options. And many, many times it happened many times. And sometimes, you know, it still happens where it just becomes like really tough. And I'm like, right, I have enough, you know. Also because after you do like, you know, that, that personal development work or like spiritual work, however you want to call it, it's even, sometimes it's even harder, I find, because it's like, come on, I thought I did the work, you know, but the point is that, yeah, it never ends, but it just provides you with, you know, great tools and awareness. But, Seb, it's really interesting what you just said, because, you know, for my mother especially, uh, she was, you know, she was abused much more than I did. Yes, I did receive the violence too, but my mom had worse, and... um and, you know, even if right now, you know, she's, uh, she's suffering, like, I got a lot of strength and a lot of courage from her. She was amazing. If, if I think right now what she's been through is like, wow. Because she was, imagine like a mother of two in Italy, so in a foreign country, because as I said, she's Polish, okay, she's lived in Italy for 20 years, but still her family was not here. So uh, she was alone by herself experiencing that in the 90s okay so we're talking about a time where there were not like women's circles or like support from women domestic violence she was alone and um, i clearly remember once after an episode that my mom called the police and what they said they came they she explained the situation that you know that, look i was worried because my husband was like doing this and that uh being really you know aggressive and violent and I said to her, well, you know, these things happen, you know, uh, Madame, this, you know, lady or whatever they say, but like, these things happen, these things happen, and perhaps, you know, like, you didn't really listen to him or what he was saying, and these things happen. That was the police, right? So when we see that the authority that was supposed, are supposed to protect you are just like really um, devaluing uh, your experience and your emotion what you've been through then that's harsh that's really difficult because where do you find the courage then where do you find that hope so i really admire once again my mother that really really stood up and took the courage to literally take us both away from the situation and, and, and do what she could a point um with either yourself um and the abuse that you received or with your mother that you fell into the trap of um demonizing yourselves and thinking oh i deserve it or you know yeah he didn't do the dishes or i didn't do what he asked me to do and that's why because uh, you know a lot of people that a lot of people who are in uh, abusive relationships it's like they can't see the wood for the trees and for, for us who are outside of that relationship and looking in it's really easy to say look you're in a terrible relationship leave but they they find reasons to stay and reasons to blame themselves and to take away kind of the demonization of the of the you know the perpetrator and be like, yeah but he's really but i did this and i could have done this better and if i did this better that wouldn't have happened and when obviously you know us looking in would say no oh, you've got nothing no blame here but unfortunately a lot of victims they put blame on themselves which makes it obviously so much harder to leave the situation yes absolutely i mean especially because in my case like my father like it sounds like you know describing like a horrible person here but when it was, when i was little like he was my hero he was like you know, I still believe that in, in, in his heart, you know, he's, um, he's a good soul. It's just like completely messed up, unfortunately, for his situation. But like, he taught me a lot. And, um, and he was like really my hero. And like, 
this great father and it's only like when I was 10 and then things like completely shifted but so um so to answer your questions yes there were moments in which like when you regard you know your parents as like your model then yes it's easy as a victim to like think oh you know I must deserve that or like you know I I I I he's 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 right I remember once actually you just brought it up right now an episode where like he was really he got really angry I think it was I don't know 10 he got really really angry and like he put me on on you know on, on the against the wall and he shouted at me and said like why are you happy you, sh- you 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 don't have you can't be happy you can't be happy you cannot smile you you can't smile you can't be happy something like that and that was I still remember the feeling actually that was like oh okay I was only happy <laughs> you know <laughs> like uh, I must have done something wrong so that enters in your psyche. Of course, when you're in that situation, you're not conscious. So what do you do? You go back to Jim's point earlier. You use, you, you use, but you know, you project these things into relationships with others, and then you try to justify the experiences with the relationships that you have with other people, whether it's your partners or your friends or your, you know, the people in your community. Thanks, Valentina. I appreciate your honesty. Well bring us back uh, bring us back or forward depending on how you want to look at it we're we're in france we're we're oh. working in the council of europe and what what's going through your head now like what, what are you feeling what's going through your heart what where are we at well the first thing is like thankfully i only worked there for two months i mean my whole political career was longer i i stayed in france for a year because then i worked in a an organization who was still working within the political institutions but like as a stakeholder okay uh but what comes up it comes up that the this i really so badly wanted to work there i remember traveling to strasbourg where the the council of europe is because as a volunteer i was doing these amazing beautiful projects and I remember looking at this building and like, I really want to work here. This must be it, you know? And then the second day I was in the office, I was in tears. I was crying. I was like, what is this? You know, like, why do I have this? You know, I thought that we would like change the world and like make things for, no, literally, I know it sounds like really, I said I'm naive, you know, in certain things. So, mm-hmm. uh, and, um, and I, yeah, I was just like, why? Why am I sitting here and doing this email thing? And like, you know, what is this? Why am I spending two days to learn about the, how the institution works, where we could like do the work? So, yeah, that's why that didn't last long. I mean, I did really enjoy, having said, I did really enjoy the whole NGO experience around that. And just to explain, because I know that in the UK, there's not such a concept of NGO. It's a non-governmental organization where, you know, an outside organization works in between the citizen and the state to bridge the gap and tries to provide certain services. So that was exciting. Still in the system, so it wasn't satisfying for me, but it was exciting. And and, and I had some incredible, amazing priceless experiences through that, especially the traveling. <laughs> and um, we're when did you think or what was the point in which you thought i don't think i don't think right now this is for me or you know for instance uh, the italian police almost devalued 
your mom's uh, experience i wonder at like at what like valuing your experience and going wow i'm doing this thing that on paper is pretty impressive and it's really good but my experience tells me that while i appreciate it i think i want to do go somewhere else with this that was an exact moment but yeah as you say like it's that it's that feeling um inside where it's like this paperwork might help but it's just too long and it's just too far complicated and we you know we need to really be in the in the real thing of shifting and and, and supporting and and being present but yeah there was a specific moment um where my friend in france uh she it was a time where i had to decide what master degrees i wanted to take and again you know that oh I must have a master's degree you know like if I don't then what's gonna happen and I actually even wanted to do like a double master because <laughs> um, and then my friend told me like look all is good but you've got a way of expressing you know communicating but it's quite different like, you know are you are you are you totally sure that you want to that that's what you want to do it's just a question Bang! That was the question. I was like, "Oh my god!" And I remember, I really do like cycling back home with my bike and with crying and like, "I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this." Um, I was happy actually, and uh, yeah. And then I packed my stuff and I left and went back to Rome for a while to just really figure out um, what I wanted to do. So yeah, there was a specific moment where you like. That, that's not that that can't be it you know mm-hmm. but you know, I, I was helped yeah I was supported yeah mm-hmm. what i'm reminded of is our friend the thief he told me this story about when he i think he was in his late 20s and he was talking about how he wants to change the world and i forget who said something to him if you are a person if you are in your 20s and you don't want, if you don't think you can change the world, you have no heart. But if you're 40s and you're still trying to change the world, then you have no head. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And, um, and it's funny, even like we did a, we did an interview last week with uh, a woman who works, who co-founded the Belfast Friendship Club. And she came back to this point again. She said, we're talking about like, volunteer work uh, and certain service and she says at the end of the day you can only change one person you know yeah it's, it's, it's right yeah and i would add first and foremost try to change ourselves first you know not change but like make ourselves a happy place mm-hmm. first and mm-hmm. foremost and then everything else will flow rather than always you know this outside 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 tiring exhausting energy that we put out and so what was the next step then for you you you, right you back in rome and how come the uk came up (laughs) well (laughs) so i realized that i didn't want to you know necessarily work within the stream but wasn't that, you know, um, how, how can I say that? Uh, I, I still didn't know. I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't know the alternative. And um, and I fall back into it, kind of. 
I I remembered that when I was a little girl, I always wanted to be a journalist because I wanted to speak the truth and I wanted to write about the truth. I have this obsession with truths, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, so I remembered that and I was like, right, yes, that's what I want to do. I want to be a journalist. So kind of, you know, outside the system. I mean, I'm talking about the real journalism, right? The ones that are there to really provide with the information and, and the and the content. So, so I was like, yes, that's. I want to be a, a war reporter. Actually, I was uh, that that extreme, but yeah. So, I met a friend. I was actually in Ireland. Yeah, interesting. I was in Ireland for a for a project. Yeah, um, European project. And um, and there was this person, this really inspiring friend of mine. We're still really good friends really inspiring and um and it, yeah we had really great chats and um and i was like okay yes where, where do you want to go next and um, it wasn't because of the inspiring chats but he was from he was living in the uk so i was like oh maybe i'm going that's where i'm gonna go next okay <laughs> and um well there were some foundations in that too i had this idea or at least that the information that i that i got was uh, journalism in the uk it's really good and you can you know you can study and and um, have lots of doors open so but at the same time I started to develop this passion and, and an interest in cinema because I was interested in the way that cinema expressed emotions and tells the truth so I was in between the two and I was like I want to you know do both like the cinema thing and, and the journalism. So documentary was kind of like a really great combination of it. So I started to look for universities that would provide this kind of master course in documentaries. And I applied for London, uh, Brighton and Cardiff, I think. And, um, and yeah, so I went to, I moved, I, I, I packed everything again and, uh, if I think back, like if I would rationalize the process, I, I would like never made it. I had no money, you know, never, no, no support. And like, yes, I knew the language, but not that much. Uh, but I only knew that I had to go there. So I followed that instinct again. And, and I moved. And the first night in Brighton, you know, I ended up in Brighton because I applied for a job from here, from Rome. So not to just be completely like without anything. Um, it wasn't a good job when I got there and <laughs> I was so scared. I, I remember that night I was in, you know, in this really nice house, but I, I looked outside the window and I was like, what the hell did I do again? You know, like <laughs> taking crazy decisions. What am I doing here? You know, I'm alone. And anyway, that was. Seb, is any of this resonating with you? Quite, we both lived a fairly nomadic lifestyle at some point anyway, <laughs> it feels like. But yeah, sometimes I, I remember at, when I was at university, I was, I've probably said it a few times on the podcast, I think, but I was applying, um, I finished my final year at Leeds University, having just come back from Erasmus at, in Madrid, and I was applying to some consultancy in London because everyone else in my course was doing something fairly similar, and I was stressing, and then I realized that I didn't even want the, I wanted them to reject me. <laughs> I didn't even want the place and then I was like what am I doing and then I just moved to Madrid because I knew for whatever reason I needed to come back and be out here even though 
you know, we're talking about like prospects and why people do certain masters and stuff. Moving to Madrid wasn't a very like quote unquote would you say clever choice. Step? You are? Do you say would you say it was illogical? Yeah, it definitely there was no logic behind it really, other than I just wanted to follow my passion and continue learning Spanish. But in terms of like career prospects, it wasn't the uh the best thing to do. And then like you said, you find yourself and you're out here again and you're like, Oh shit, what have I done? Like all of my friends are in London and they will know each other and they're all friends and I'm here and I don't really know anyone and but yeah, I'm glad I made the choice, as I'm sure you are as well. But at the time, it's kind of weird because at the time when you make the decision, it's like the most, you're so strong about it. Like, yeah, this is definitely going to work out. And then you get there. But when you're like in the reality of the decision, you're like, oh, fuck, like maybe I should have listened to people. <laughs> and Maybe I should have <laughs> done the quote unquote sensible thing. And it's like, um, but yeah, listen, I think if you have enough want to do something, then it eventually works out one way or another. But there's definitely scary moments for sure yeah absolutely especially when the job you apply for is uh, completely not what you expected and you yeah. end up like it's a door-to-door kind of thing and you're in a foreign country and you have to knock on people's door yeah <laughs> not great not great and no. it's raining not great but so as how, you say how, yeah you feel it how did you get to do what it is what what you do now then how how, how so, did that happen it, it, yeah, let, let, let me let me let me try enter the head of Valentina. So you're going around, you're knocking on doors uh, <laughs> in Brighton. Is there any point where you go, I should just be in a yoga studio right now, or I should just be, you know, no, still no, no. Okay, so, so talk me through this process. I mean, okay, so up until now, I didn't mention something, and uh, this is like the back. Background process was going on through the formal experiences. When I moved to Bologna, um, I found yoga. Uh, I, I used to like really don't like yoga. I used to think like God, I, I can't, I can't do yoga. I don't like it. It's too peaceful for me. Um, you know, <laughs> it's too much stillness. <laughs> it's not for me. And um, but I did try it, and I found it's a beautiful little studio where I found this teacher which I admire and respect so much up until now I think she's one of the best yoga teachers I've ever met and she's like really like no bullshit you know like really in front of your face you can't hide this is it you know you've got to like really be honest you've got to you know your practice needs to show by yourself and you can't just hide behind poses and so I really did like, I did resonate with that energy, you know, not right away with the yoga practice, but I did resonate with that energy. And all the people involved were like incredible people. And one of them was like that friend that I mentioned earlier that was telling me about, look, being in the system isn't the only way. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah, so I did that. And because I was like going through a lot of also like physical pain, I can... You know, I can share that when I was in my 20s, I didn't have my period for one year and a half. So it's like a big thing for a 20 years old. So I kind of like moved to these practices because of the physical symptom. Like also I was feeling it, feeling it in my heart, but there was a physical thing going on. And, um, and yoga led to Reiki and Reiki led to other things. So throughout those like years up until Brighton, I always did something. Uh, never like fully committed into it, 
path that was like this invisible uh, trail, right. let's say. Yeah, tread. Yeah, thank you. Okay. And what was the thing that made you kind of make more of a commitment to make it more of a steady part of your life? So, yeah, I was in Brighton, um, exactly. Um, I already started my master's degree, changed my part-time job, luckily. <laughs> Found something a bit more, you know, working in a little cafe, but at least you didn't have to knock on people's door anyway. And, um, and there was a day where I was uh, walking down the street and I found this holistic center, yoga, tai chi, holistic center. I felt literally, you know, the pool again. And um, when I went in, I asked for some information. The teacher said, you have to come here every day. I was like, yeah, I've got no money. Can't do that, <laughs> you know? And she was like, right, but come, don't worry. We'll make it work somehow. And, um, and that's, yeah, that's where I started to like, okay, um, practicing more and then it was just like a, it was a natural shift you know like it was just like because the master in documentary was more like less rigid let's say you know it's not about politics and system it was more about like right let's express ourselves you know what do you want to say with the camera you know look at this and what do you want to say what do you want to express so you kind of need to take ownership of your own emotions of what you experience within yourself when you direct something so that was opening my heart to like fully merge into the holistic practices even more until I made it as a full time commitment. Interesting. Can you can you expand on that a little bit about how the documentary process kind of it did it encourage you to see things from multiple perspectives or did it change your mentally or was it just interesting playing with how you truly wanted to portray what was in the film yes absolutely i mean um when you when you study to make documentaries one of the first things you ask is what do you want to say with this you know okay you you want to like document let's say your mother pouring a cup of tea but what do you truly want to say you know mm. that can, can be as simple as that like my mom pouring tea but it needs to be clear so first of all what really fascinated me was the clarity you need to be clear, you need to have clarity, and you need to take responsibilities. With that camera, you're, 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 you're showing something, and you are also a creator. So it's about taking responsibility, and it's about using a language that is different, that isn't just made up with words. Um, you know, some of the best documentaries are, in my opinion, silent documentaries, for example. It's just sound and Chris Martin, I mean. Um, <clears throat> so... So yeah, like there, there's a lot of um, beauty, but at the same time, practical. Uh, oh yeah, expression in, in that documentary is amazing. So you start to look into yourself, you start to deep into yourself a bit more, and you start to like be in touch with what you are going through. Ah, this is how I feel. You know, this is the emotions uh, that I'm because. 10 people can document exactly the same action in, in 10 exact different ways. You know, Absolutely. even if again, it's your mom pouring tea. And the question that comes up to me next is, do you think learning about documentary making subsequently helped you become 
a teacher of something that many people find difficult to grasp or difficult to enter into? I never thought of it in these terms, actually, but it could, yeah, it could potentially be that the, the, the camera and um, having to convey a message. Actually, yes, I remember some episodes. I was um, preparing my final project, right? Um, I was so lucky, by the way, that at that time my boyfriend was a filmmaker, <laughs> so he oh, helped okay. me. <laughs> but, no, but I had to make the, the work, right? So. I remember sitting there and really being so scared and I freaked out like oh, what am I gonna do what am I gonna do like I had the footage so I already shot you know uh, the, the, the things that I wanted to portray but I was like sitting there with my footage and like how do I turn it into a story how do I make it into something that people can watch so that is a moment where yeah you need to start to like ask yourself some questions and perhaps yeah um, it subsequently helps you to be able to convey things experiences emotions messages in a way that can can be understood or perceived or or shared with other people and that can be done in many different ways though so because like i know yoga is becoming more and more mainstream but as we're going to learn now um you're also a practitioner of tell me if I'm pronounced Qigong. Um, yes, um, yeah. I've studied yeah Qigong just because it's from a different part of Korea and the Korean uh, practice is called Qigong. But um, because the, the holistic center that I've uh, been part of uh, was from Korea, so I studied that practice. Um, but yeah, those are the physical practices that I've studied. And can I ask? Did you have examples or talk about this a bit more, but I'm just trying to picture someone who's walking into a session for the first time and they're not really, they've never really had an experience with it. Yeah, they've heard that the body is energy and they've heard that the body's like this, and but they never really have such a felt experience. So I wonder, I wondered how, what, for you in which you tried more uh, applicable or relatable or um, interesting for someone who isn't familiar with the, the dialogue with the certain words that are used in this practice right so I'm sure Seb can help me out with this question in terms of how, how who maybe is a bit cautious about this this field and um, how did you kind of facilitate a learning for them to take yeah. their experience into account mm -hmm, if that makes mm -hmm. sense yeah yeah it makes completely sense and um, I, I had a lot of that uh, because for uh, almost practically two years I was a I became center coordinator of that that place with them um, so my job as well was to you know welcome people on the door and they would like come with this question like what do you do here and you know we people that had never experienced ever before so so i think for me first of all is that any kind of holistic practice is very intimate and very personal so to me what's important to do first is to deconstruct so deconstruct everything that people know about that particular practice 
or everything that they think about the particular practices and make it more about their own experience. Whether yoga becomes just stretching or a more in-depth process, start by the process that they are experiencing themselves because that's how I did it, you know, like... I don't think I had a clue of what yoga was. I, I had no clue of what yoga was when I first started, of course. And same, same with Qigong and, um, and other practices. It's soul healing, which is, you know, what I mainly do now. Um, really no experiences of that. So I remember in class, what I would do when I would teach, be like, first of all, like use the language, simple language. And then, like making it about their own experiences and what they are feeling. And because what, they, what you do ultimately as a teacher, you're just providing space. You're creating a safe space of experience, of course, expertise, hopefully. But you're ultimately just creating a space for those people to have their own experience and grow through that in our own different journey. Yeah, I want to ask, um, there's a couple of your like some statements on, on, on the website that I had trouble understanding, but um, Jim said it's because like I didn't have the context, but I thought figured maybe if I don't have the context or the, or the life experience to understand, then maybe there might be some others who, of the listeners who come on to um, you know, search up on your website and maybe um, maybe find themselves in, in, a, in a similar situation. So I wonder if, if I could just read you out like some of them and you could ex kind of expand on, on what it is that you mean. Um, the, the one of the first is the soul is always trying to reconnect with that from which it came. Hmm. Yes. Um, fair question. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Um, right. Okay. So prior to our experiences here as human beings, so prior to our upbringing and, um, and everything else that comes with it in the environment, the, 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 the impact that our environment has with us, we have this thing inside ourselves, which is just our essence. Let's call it our essence. We are being, right? We are just being, being. With, mm -hmm. with, uh, with our own way of being. Mm -hmm. Okay, but the moment we come here, the moment we like literally open our eyes or like experience things or, or hear a specific language, bang, that's it. You, you, you know, you're like, you're just con constantly being challenged. It's kind of like a, a not a race, I don't want to say race, but like it's a part to like almost like you have to rediscover yourself and 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 read to read who you are mm. and and trying to like affirm yourself yeah like reaffirm yeah. yourself so the soul tries to come to where it came from it means our essence our vital essence coming to that original experience original state of being or stillness that is before uh, all the positive or negative experiences that we've gone through and the reason why you say it always comes, tries to come back to the source, which by the way, it comes from shamanism. It's not just Valentino, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a, you know, ancient <laughs> practitioners. <laughs> um, it's because there is no bad game or, or, or there's no such thing as a bad plan or, or like 
you know life is not your life is not designed to be horrible or to feel miserable it's the, it it has certain aspects that makes you go through challenges and experiences so that you can affirm yourself right and and really like find your own unique expression uh, whether you're successful in that or not it's our own different journey um, and there's no such a thing as success by the way okay there's, there's a quote sorry i think sorry go on jim a little bit just, I just think I just said something that, that yeah, I'm going to regret, by the way, but the tone <laughs> said we starting this question. <laughs> no, just no, so carry on. It's is from, like, I think he says, uh, the, the, aim, the aim is not to um, become something that, that That's what comes to mind when you talk about this. The, the idea that yeah. it's not like a, a striving for external things, it's to kind of strip away of the things that superficially we think we are but to kind of unpack it unpack it it's a lot what adam Starr talks about Seth. no and uh, not it's not a problem but where i think i maybe don't fully understand or disagreement of uh, of ideologies i guess uh, it feels like to me some in some way like a nurture versus nature kind of argument just because like you were saying that like if you want to kind of I mean, like the idea is to get back to who we were literally almost like almost to the point where before we're born before we're impacted like by language before we're impacted by these positive or negative stimulus um that we like obviously receive literally from the moment that we are brought to this earth right but i guess i don't know i guess my maybe it's just my way of understanding things is that how do how like i don't understand how you get all the way back there because it feels like you were literally the maybe the only moment that that was the case was literally as you were brought out of your mother those first two seconds before the doctor said it's a boy or a girl because from that moment on you're just constantly receiving stimulus bad or good and i don't and i'm not sure i don't know if i agree or believe that that baby before they heard the first words had an essence or had like something that they, was true to them because i think maybe i'm more of the along the line of like you get things through nurture as opposed to nature and i feel like maybe what you are saying is maybe trying to get back to the nature and start to remove some of that nurture is that right or i yeah no i really really love this point um so it's both first of all it's both and it's not about uh forgetting about the experiences and like suddenly like deleting you know pressing delete and go back to yeah. that state itself but mm -hmm. it's about remembering a feeling i mean i could you know i don't really necessarily want to go down to this scientifically no no, no. road yeah exactly but it's all about frequency it's all about energy and i believe you know that when we are in the there is a moment when we want if we want that we can remember that feeling of being us, just us. There is a moment, there is, it's there. And it's different for everybody, but there is. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that moment where you're like, oh, fuck, I feel it, you know? It's like, you, 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 it's possible to have that. And that's the moment that I, that I talk about. And it's about posing for a moment, everything else, and then bringing it back, but the way you wanted to bring it back. Not by conditioning, but by active choice. And it's like, right, okay, yes, this is my mother, this is my father. How do I want this situation now to, you know, 
to, to how do I want to use kind of mm-hmm. this situation for my own benefit, for my own, you know, growth, for my own purpose. So, and I just, just, just quoting actually something that, that really resonated with me when I read it from James Hillman that wrote this amazing book about soul's code. And he says, it's all about growing down. I've, thought it was amazing because suddenly it's like oh right so it's not about going up spiritually and trying to like really find some 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 spaces up there it's about growing down growing Mm -hmm. down so being here when you use the word purpose can i ask what to you what that means so when you say someone to find our purpose or to reconnect with our purpose or yeah, in whichever way that you want to use that word, mm-hmm. to you, what does that mean? Yeah, so to me, it means that the, the, the reason why we're here, the reason why I'm here. Now, mm-hmm. it could translate as like job or what kind of role I want to have in my society, in my community. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's simple as that. It's like, what the hell am I doing on this earth? You know, mm-hmm. how do I want to be? By the simple thing, you know, that when I wake up in the morning, what kind of thoughts I want to have, what kind of action I want to do, how do I want to relate to the people around me? So for me, my, the purpose is the, con- the conscious choice of driving your life in a, in a way that has a direction and a meaning that resonates for you every single mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, that's that's clear to me. So, and so, and and is that is is it believed in your practice that the purpose that that you, that you speak of there is that are we saying that that's innate? So are we saying that that is within us? Um, you know, from from the get go, and we try to rediscover it, or are we? Or do we think that it's um, that purpose is something that we find through the passage of time and through the passage of our lives and inspirations or or things that we kind of you know that we that we take in uh, like that's yeah how is how how is that defined? Sure, I mean it's I believe personally that it's both. Okay. So it's a combination of like the remembering of that feeling and that state but at the same time we make decisions every single day nothing is written you know for for sure like yes there is like a bigger picture but mm-hmm. at the end of the day that's why we're human and that's why we've been given a life a body to make decisions so yeah. it's both is is like okay this is the feeling inside of me this is like you know for, to make a clear example like i'm a i'm a person feels you know, want to be connected with nature or I'm a social animal and I want to be with other people and just be in the community okay mm. make that choice and then mm. live accordingly to it so integrating the experiences and the environment around you that nurturing aspect mm. Seb you've heard like yeah. loads of documentations of people on psychedelics so you've heard people reflect on like certain meditations that they've had or how they felt after yeah. a certain experience you heard that they speak about like a oneness right like a kind of an interconnectedness that they feel yeah. right i think what like what comes up when valentine is speaking about this is that to have that experience is fantastic and to hear about like growing down is to go how can i participate in the world with that experience present like in, in, in it like with with an intention right so it's not like I want to run away from something. I want to keep on having these 
unbelievable high experiences. It's like, right, if I had an experience and it felt so profound to me, I that or I need to value that mm. on a day to day. So I need to treat people how I would I would like you know, it just goes back to like those basics. Yeah. I wonder if you given yourself a chance to have that experience. Well, no, it's funny. I was going to well, because the example that I was going to use, like if we if we talk about like purpose, um, that's why I wanted to Valentina to clearly define purpose, and and thank you for doing that because you did a really good job. The reason I asked that was because it's like, for example, I've been talking to Jim recently just about how like my job, which I did, you know, kind of similar to you, you move to a foreign country, you kind of have to get the first job you can get. You don't have all of the choices that you do maybe when you grow up and you start to you know people you have connections and this that and the other and anyway four years down the line i'm still in the sector that my like going up the scale um but not meaning to already wanting to and it's not giving me any sort of purpose at all and then so i was trying to come back to and it always comes back to it sounds silly but um because it's nothing really grand in terms of like connecting or or anything like that but my put like it feels or when when i feel most at peace is when i'm like dealing with food and obviously, and I link it back to like memories of Nonna, my like Italian nan, and like they were like the most like some of the best memories that I have. And it always, whenever I'm stressed, I want to cook. Whenever I'm like happy, I want to cook for others. When I have inspiration, it comes in the form of like or creativity. It comes in the form of like cooking. Like, oh, I could do this or I could do that, right? And so that's why I asked you for purpose because whether you think it was like an innate thing or something that is maybe learned through others because it feels like to me if i didn't have nonna as my experience if i was born not italian if i was born welsh for example that might be doing a disservice to welsh people and i apologize but <laughs> i might not have like such a strong inclination to be like i know that somewhere in the world of food is where i'm meant to be you know um and so that's why i asked like the the your what your definition of purpose is because mm -hmm. i feel like for me it's not necessarily an innate thing because maybe if my, my nonna had died before I was born or something, then maybe I wouldn't feel this way. But having had those experiences with her, then that's allowed me to feel like some sort of peace in that realm. And then that's what, what I know about, that I need to follow. What about this, Seb, right? What about that your, that your gift or what nonna showed you in food, if you had a different experience in life, you would have found it in something else. Your yeah. purpose was for you to provide something with care for other people. Yeah, I was definitely. I haven't thought of it that way, but for sure, for sure. Mm, that's beautiful, actually. Yeah. The other thing is that um, you come to this world and kind of like unconsciously trying to find that experience. So mm. unconsciously or consciously, but there's a you know there's also this theory that we choose our parents before we're born, whether you know we want to believe this or not. But um, it's about like what we experience here somehow you choose it before and even if you don't believe that in any ways that innate initial feeling will like automatically connect you through that you know i mean you could have had the same situation you know you're not uh, italian but not necessarily attaching to this right or resonating mm. with this yeah and but you did so that's yeah. why, you know, it's a combination of both. It's something that you've got inside, but then yes, the experience. But it's our ability to see that, you know, mm -hmm. it's our open-mindedness and open heart that 
to be open to see, ah, oh, okay, this is this is you know this situation yeah. and that original feeling that I connect to. But I, I wonder if you have people who come to you because I think when people think about purpose, um, I think a lot of people think like, oh, well. It, purpose has to be this really grandiose thing right coming back to what we were talking about before like it has to be like world changing it has to be like i need to save the homeless or i need to like something really like that and i think i wonder if people come to you and maybe subconsciously or even consciously they know what their purpose is or they want or what it should be or what they want it to be but they almost think it's not grandiose enough like they almost think that's not a purpose it's just a passion that's not a purpose it's just like a little hobby that i do on the side and maybe through like through your the exercises that you show them and the practices that you show them you re they realize maybe that these things that they discarded or that they diminished actually have or can have a much bigger role to play in their lives and then ultimately you know other people's lives people who are close to them but that it takes some sort of, like you said, maybe growing down or, or or reconnecting or seeing things from a different lens where they go, that is that can be a, a purpose. Because sometimes even in myself, like when I hear, when I just said it to you, my purpose is food. In a way that's to me sounds ridiculous, right? But in another way, like I know what that can mean to someone because it meant so much to me. Like the, converse, the conversations that I had with my nonna as opposed to the dishes that I had with her, it sounds stupid to say, but the dishes will always be like so much more in my memory. And maybe that's because she died when I was 13 and we didn't have like really deep conversations. But do you know what I mean? Like I know that food can be so much to people. But yet when I say that food is my purpose, I also realize that that or in my own head, it sounds stupid. And I wonder if like people come to you that same kind of dilemma. Um, yes, it's a really interesting point, actually. I think, first of all, like the idea that generally we have about purpose, there's so much misconception around that and um, so, so much. You know, as you say, purpose is associated with like changing the world or like having this great job or having a tie or whatever, you know, like, or even, you know, on the opposite side, like if you're very spiritual, a purpose is like changing your whole community, you know, and that kind of... Uh, and maybe it's not. So first of all, yeah, the meaning that we give to purpose. Um, I hope that with these conversations, you know, and other things that are coming up right now, people start to realize, oh, actually, isn't it should be that hard as I am meant to, you know, I was led to believe. Mm. So that's that's point one, uh, because purpose is what you know, it's what we want it to be, right? Um, and then, yes, definitely, like, there is a lot of fear that comes around with it. There is a lot of pressure that comes from, you know, social pressures, family pressure. So, uh, some clients might come and, you know, they, they have their, their, their mind so clear. Their, their heart is so clear, you know, but they can't join the thoughts. It's mm. really beautiful to watch that, you know, and, and when I hear it, it's like, God, you've got it. You don't need, you don't need anything, but they, because of the social pressure and the pressures around, then they can't like see it in that perspective. Uh, and so there is a fear to even like accept it or seeing it as a purpose. Uh, and therefore there is work to be done there. But again, the work is their personal journey. Again, I'm only providing space with different tools, of course, and, and, and like practical and real tools, but it's a space. Uh, because ultimately, yeah, we're here to remember reintegrate so mm -hmm. and 
so lastly from me just on on the on the on the front of purpose like when someone um either through through what you provide um or just time and space allow like finds what their purpose is or or discovers and go yep i think this is this is it for me do you find that there's maybe a problem with um like having the courage of your convictions because you know it's like if you decide that something's your purpose or you like really believe that something's your purpose I feel like it's a, you can you can agree that that's your purpose, but then actually not go for it because if you go for it and you fail, then it's like, what the hell am I? Like I'm a human being who like thought this was my purpose and then I failed at it. Like again, I'm not talking about grandiose. It can be something like you know really whatever small, but you if you fail at it, that could be like I can imagine that would be absolutely soul destroying. Um, and maybe it's easier to say, yeah, I think this is my purpose, but like it's just easier for me just to stay on my route and like just kind of dabble my feet my feet in it but never go full hog in it because the risk of losing or the risk of like being a failure and what is quote unquote my purpose could be like just be shattering for me and it's easier to live like a half-life almost and not fully enjoy life or or take, take the most out of life by choosing the easy route out if you know what i mean yeah totally i mean First of all, like I'm a big believer that everybody has their own power to take responsibilities and make choices. So even if you like, I know, you know, I know a lot of people that even if they're being shown right there in the mirror in their face, like what they could be or how they could, you know, potentially transform, they choose not to. And that's a journey and that's okay. I think again, I really want to like, uh, break this this big expectation that there is again from the spiritual world of like you need to become certain things actually let me make please this this personal example um i was when i was in strasbourg uh, one of the things that actually i just remember that <laughs> sorry but uh, that made me want to like shift uh was that i was seeing a lot of people around me and maybe with arrogance but um at the time it served me i was like oh wow these people are really older than me, you know, I'm only like 23, I don't know, these people like, you know, in their 40s and the 50s and they live a life that they're not happy with, you know, they live, you know, like they, 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 they can't show happiness and contentment, oh my god, I want to do everything I possibly can to fix this, so as early as possible I can live at my fullest potential, but, and I really remember the, um, you know the, the the hurt and pain that I received from like hitting my face on the on the glass of <laughs> of like realizing that that's not past that's not the point. Mm. No, the point is not like fixing everything because first of all you cannot see everything. You can only see what your experiences are are, are providing you to see. So we have no idea. Uh, we only have like a, a, a little small percentage of of what we go through. So it's not about fixing everything and it's not about becoming certain things. And again, when we say live at your fullest potential or like live according to your purpose, uh, it really isn't about this grandiose and, and, and big thing. It's about just connecting with your journey. And maybe, you know, I, I don't necessarily like to say that, but because it's my, you know, it, it, it's my mother. And of course, I don't want her not to be happy. But when I see my mother, like that's her journey you know i don't know and i don't think she will ever come out of the situation where where she's like um i hope she's not she's not gonna listen to this podcast but <laughs> no i love her so much actually but you know what i'm saying is mm. sometimes 
the journey isn't about unraveling everything and having this tribe and like shifting and becoming this amazing master. It's just about being honest with your experiences and owning your experiences and taking responsibility. So as you say, Seb, if you see your purpose, but you choose not to go because of the fear, fine, but let's own this. And what I mean by that is like, don't complain after, you know, like don't blame other people, you know, just, just take responsibilities for it. And that might be just fine. Yeah, no, I, I really, um, I really um, thank you for that answer, actually, and mm-hmm. for that clarification. I wonder for people who are listening to this, who who think that maybe, or that they would definitely um, uh, benefit from hearing more from you and ha- having your teachings. Is the the offer that you provide is that always in person, or can it be a remote thing? Can it be something that someone does and contacts you online, and, and you have a relationship there? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. No, it's. Uh, mostly remote that I that I'm oh. that I'm doing right now. Yeah, it's been two years that I've um, shifted everything remotely. Of course, I'm doing in-person sessions where where I am, as you say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm nomad as well, so wherever I go, <laughs> if I have clients, I treat. But but um, I I work remotely, so the energy work it's exactly the same. It works the exact same way. Sometimes I prefer because the person has more time and less impact. You know, if we're talking about someone that doesn't necessarily want to like completely shift their life from one day to another, some people want to, but some others, you know, need their time and their ways. And the good thing about working from a computer is that when a session ends, you just shut your laptop and mm. you're still in your safe zone. So mm. then, then you have more power, more time, more space to integrate the things that you've done, that we've done together. And then make your own decisions rather than being necessarily forced into a space with other people. Because mm-hmm. I took decisions in, in when I was in the holistic center, I took decisions that maybe I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. But because I got excited by other people uh, having certain experiences, I wanted to have that too. So yes, I do work remotely mainly and it's in person and it's always different. Uh, of course, to make it more clear and understandable, you know, I say that I've worked with yoga, Qigong and soul healing, but truly what it is, is a really personalized journey. And it's about finding your own, connecting with your own essence and purpose. But it can be done in so many different ways. It can be a, a chat. It can be a more like energetic work. If someone is more like really aware and wants to embark that path or can be the physical aspect the yoga aspect um so it works in different aspects because i'm a big believer that no rule can be applied to to everybody i'm glad that you you you, that you offered that clarification at the end because that was going to be my follow-up question was just to be like for someone who maybe doesn't know what to expect um when they read when they go on your website or when they um, contact you for for to find out more information like what could they expect in terms of and like i do appreciate that for everyone it's a completely different thing um but roughly speaking like what could they expect of as the program so to speak yeah. like once they said once they send you that first email what's the journey gonna look like more or less absolutely yeah um it's a really important question to ask because i'm not a psychologist you know i'm not a a traditional therapist so uh, I can't make these promises 
So what it looks like, if someone approaches to me, I explain that I work both physically and energetically. So someone can like um, get into it, as I said, a more yoga, uh, Qigong practice. So we use our body and we have sessions where we do a very, so the, the, the reason why I call it Qi yoga is because it's about moving the energy with the body. So I don't necessarily run to the traditional poses uh, of yoga, but it's more about moving the emotion, the energy within the body with different mm-hmm. poses and um, that we create together, let's say. So it's mm-hmm. a combination of both. So it could be that, or it could be a soul healing where we really go into depth of like, right, let's map out, first and foremost, the experiences, right? So let's go into the experiences that we want to talk about and let's see how they affected us and and how you know the impact and and um and where you want to get where you want to where you want to go and it's a a gentle like journey through that so i really like to work longer term with with people who can um i prefer that way so it could be mindfulness as well you know i really um i started to do mindfulness a while ago and i loved it because i found that it's such a very practical simple way for people really to get into that space without being too talking about guardian angels you know and then another thing that not everybody is ready for i mean i love talking about that <laughs> i wouldn't i won't lie of course but not everybody wants to and not everybody's uh it's a journey so mindfulness is a it's a really great way i, I was surprised myself when i first did it uh, that can bring people mind to an experience that it's simply there, and mm-hmm. that's my point. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. I really mm-hmm. appreciate it. Thank you for asking. <laughs> hey, it's important. It is, yeah, because it's uh, it, it clarifies. Hey, listen, we're, we're trying to sell you here, Valentina. Yeah. <laughs> I got that. Hope I'm doing a good job. <laughs> we're, we're in the real world here. There's the system does exist. We need to uh, make sure that this hour and a half has been worth your time as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I also thought it was it, you brought up Valentina. Um, you know, I've heard some people kind of talk about how they don't really want to do something like acupuncture or Reiki or um, yoga practice or meditation, right? And they don't want to do it because there's a bit of them that's like, like what if i really like it and then i want to quit my job and Mm -hmm. i want to like food and i want to like go to india and you know yeah that's terrifying you know i just want to feel a little bit better you know yeah i don't need to do that kind of stuff and um it's nice to hear that that you have a practice in which you are just trying to help go where they want to go you know it's not like Hey guys, if you want if you want the real challenge, here it is. Here here's the blueprint. Like, and if you don't do that, you're not doing it correctly. You know, it's hey, if you want this, let's explore this. If you don't, we don't want to explore this. You know, and I think that non-judgmental kind of support that is very important for people. Yeah, thank. You. I mean, I I guess I had it's what I wanted for myself, you know, and it's what I needed for myself for the experience that, that I had. Um, I just needed space to express myself and to find myself. I didn't need in the end. Right now, I can say that it's not the end, but like at the end of this, <laughs> I hope it's not. <laughs> but looking back, let's say <laughs> could be yes. 
looking back, I'm like, yeah, that's all I needed. I didn't need to know that this particular practice does that or brings to that place. I just needed space. Mm-hmm. Because there's just so much that we have to face in everyday everyday life out there. So many I don't want to say masks that we wear, but kind of, you know, and you you know, rules or just like, and again, you know, just to really strengthen that point for me, it's all about own our own journey, whatever that might be. And so the practice needs to flow with that mm-hmm. and to respond to that. Valentina, before we wrap up, um, Jim, do you have any other questions? Or... There was one thing that I wanted to say just before the last question, and now it's left me. <gasps> oh, oh no! Whole question that might come up for me. Okay, <laughs> uh, the last question I was going to ask is, um, what what are the tips and tricks that you do to um, to keep on top of your own mental health? All uh, right, um, trying to think something. It's just, I, I have a lot of different tools, but personally for myself, I practice every single day, but just because I found that discipline provides me with that ability to detach from the challenging situations. So discipline really helps me. Um, and that gives me a lot of um, well-being and, and, and feeling of sense of ease and liberation. So it's that... Uh, but it could be just, you know, going into nature, having a walk, just creating space for yourself, uh, write, watch a movie, um, sing. I, I like to sing actually before the podcast uh, tonight. Um, I was uh, just going through some some personal stuff and I needed to distress and I just put music out loud and I started to sing and dance in this room. So with my headphones and I calmed after that so it doesn't have to be in the end you know i just want to say it doesn't have to be meditation or yoga but because in the end meditation and yoga is you know it's breathing it's connecting with your breath and with your life force again so truly it doesn't have to be that complicated and it has to be accessible it has to be inclusive it has to be something simple so but that's what i would advise and talk and talk share share more you know and you know that that's I think one of the great thing about being in Italy that I'm really um, realizing again after uh, spending, you know, I, I love UK, it's it's my home, but being back here has reminded me of the power of just sharing with, with your friends and people around you, just picking up your phone and be like, oh, do you know what, my mom got to be so angry today, you know, and allow yourself to have that experience and your friend that, yeah, yeah, you know, yes, and okay, let's meet up for a coffee and, and then you chat and everything feels fine again, so. Mm-hmm. Nice, I like it. Mm. Well, I think this has been great. The thing did come back to me, right? And it was oh, more of a good. remark. <laughs> it was more... <laughs> Just to double down on what you're talking about, how you're meeting people where they are, is the rem- told you or kind of <laughs> nobody told you or forced you when you were 25 or when you were a certain age, you're like, you know, you're gonna have to go down this route and you're gonna um, keep on and you're gonna have to do this. And it was, it was kind of curiosity you going 
better than that. That that resonates with me. That helps me with this. And I think I think we, we that we need to hear more, less of hey this this is the route and more listen to yourself and try these things that you think might help you fair enough and it maybe that might help you and maybe this might help you and I think that kind of approach confidence building it's like self-esteem building and it facilitates you having a closer relationship with yourself right because you're just you're just listening to yourself these things ah that does help me and like you know maybe you went to a few classes of and you didn't you never went back again but every once in a while when you get very angry and you kind of dip into that practice again you know and maybe you don't need to go every week and you don't need to and uh, i love i love the, the the hymn sheet that you're singing from so um, <laughs> i just want to say th- thank you for no thank you and uh, please allow me to just add um on that point that because i just want i don't know i just feel like sharing that with if there is any listener who have gone through like some similar experiences like you do not have, you don't need to have a, a good upbringing, a positive upbringing to, to feel alive, to be yourself and to find, and, and, and to find your life purpose, as we said right now. Uh, it's easier, of course, when you've got, you know, a functional family that loves and supports you because when there is love right from the start, it is you know, somehow easier. Not to say that those people don't have challenges, of course they do. But I just really want to say, if you had some, 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 you know, uh, shit experiences, allow me to say that, um, it doesn't have to end like that. It doesn't have to be that. You can choose, you can choose, you know, you can choose not to, but you can choose. Perfect. That's it. Great way to end the podcast. Thank you, Valentina. Well, I'm going to go back to my singing. (laughs) Thank you, Valentina, for coming on. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. It's been great. Really, pleasure. Thank Thank you.